Hello, world. How are you? Welcome to the show. First episode of season two. And with me today, I have Anthony. How are you, Anthony? I'm doing great. Congratulations for getting your series extended to season two. <laughs> I did a not too bad jo uh, job on season one with all the other uh, hosts. Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, so today, you're, uh, you want to introduce a little bit yourself, like you're the PM of Azure Function and Azure Static Web App. Am I right? Yep, that's correct. And yeah, like that's basically my introduction. I'm a PM on the Azure Static Web Apps and Azure Functions team. But, uh, thanks for having me on the show. Oh, we can say more. We can say we're both Canadian, right? Yep, that's right. That's right. That's both good. Canadian. I'm on the West Coast. You're and I'm on the East Coast. So like yes. it's a coast to coast show. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I want to, before we go in uh, like the news, because I know you, you brought uh, some news with you, I just want to talk a little bit about Hello World. We did a few changes uh, for this show, for this season. So we made it the show a little bit longer. So instead of like a very short 30 minutes, we extended to 60 minutes, but it was to talk to you. So to give time. So we have a team. So the teams of today is serverless. So we'll have plenty of people talking about Azure Function, Azure Logic App, Azure Static Web App, and serverless. Uh, so like every day we have a specific topic that will be announced in advance. And every segment, there's a Q&A. So bring your questions because at every session, a segment, I would say we have uh, a Q&A for you. That's good, right? Yeah, it's good. Really looking forward to learn more about serverless today. Yep, that's my favorite topic. <laughs> I guess so. So, uh, do you want to share the, like a few news that um, you brought with us? I think you had like a, some some upcoming news. Yeah, like uh, so, like yeah, you asked me to kind of bring some news. So, uh, so one of the biggest kind of news things that came out in the last week or two has been that uh, I think uh, Microsoft announced a date for Windows 11 um, to come out, and I think that's what October 5th or something like that. So I have it installed here on my uh, Surface Go device. Uh, it's a lovely operating system, super stable, and I'm really enjoying it. And uh, they also announced a, a second kind of a service yesterday called Microsoft Start, which is, I guess, meant to be like your, you know, your your, your homepage to go to to get all your news. Um, they also have an app for it as well. I just installed it on my phone. Um, so far, um, it looks like another news app, but hopefully, as I kind of keep using it, it'll start learning about what I like and what I don't. Yeah, because right now Windows 11, you can have it if you want, but like you need to be part of insiders. Like you just like it's a checkbox, and then like you're part of it. Good news is uh, people from the Windows 11 will be part of the show later in September. In fact, I think if I'm not mistaken, it's the 22 or 23rd. They will come on the show and share with us a bunch of news about that. So looking forward for it. That would that would be nice. I'm sure you won't miss that that episode, Anthony. No, I already have it set on my calendar. Looking forward excellent, to it. Excellent. And uh, anything else you would like to add? I think you had one more uh, news to share. Something coming up, an event, right? Yeah. So we're uh, so we're creating an event um, at the end of September. We're going to have a segment on it later on, on on in the show. But as I'll just tease a little bit now, is we're going to have a global virtual event on serverless called Azure Serverless Conf. It's going to include Azure Functions, um, Azure Cosmos DB. Logic apps, as well as SQL Server, and a bunch of other technologies as well. So um, check that out. And we're going to have it in different time zones. We'll talk a little bit more about that in the show. Uh, looking forward. We have like a full segment, like a five minutes, where you will be sharing more of Anthony sharing about that news. That's pretty cool. So uh, I want to make sure before we start with the first uh, our first guest, I want to make sure. So if you're watching us live, there's a chat available on your right. If you don't see it, sign in to the page or maybe refresh. You should have like a chat. We will be reading the chat and maybe answering live on camera your answer or directly in the chat, depending on uh, if someone else is talking. So all along for the next hours, we're answering all your questions about serverless. So now, what do you think? We should, we should start, right? Yep, let's do it. OK, so let's bring up. A picture. How are you? Hi, Frank. I'm good. How are you today? Good. Very happy to have you breaking the ice. First guest on the show. Yeah. 
So you want to introduce here. yourself. What do you do in the serverless team? I am also a PM on Azure Functions, and I own the monitoring area. The I own Java Functions, and I work with the core tools and CLI. That's that's a lot of uh, of, of responsibility. I'm really happy. Well, we meet recently, and uh, we did a little uh, recording. So let's watch it now. So. What's serverless or Azure Function? Are they are, are they the same? Or are they different? Kind of. Um, so it can be kind of difficult to maintain your servers and infrastructure as your apps grow and scale and just demand more resources. So Azure Functions is like a serverless solution that allows you to kind of focus on more important pieces of code and spend less time worrying about deploying and maintaining servers. So it's not like serverless doesn't mean there are no servers or you don't have to worry about that. It's just you have to worry about them a lot less. So you can like really focus on the getting the functionality correct and focusing on your uh, code rather than the infrastructure around it. So like functions are commonly used for APIs or for example, every time someone tweets about your business, you want to trigger a function to process that tweet and store it or process it and react to it somehow. Um, Azure Functions also kind of provides you with flexible scaling models based on your workload. So it automatically gives you more compute when you need it, less when you don't need it. So you're not uh, spending money the whole time. So some of our plans can be really cost effective for our customers as well. Now, if you want to know exactly what functions are, if if you want to like work on a new feature or add a security fix quickly as an isolated code, then you can easily integrate into your overall project, then you want to use functions. They can be used as readily available blocks of code that can be implemented to run anytime and respond to critical events. That's cool. But so we have those kind of blocks of code that get, so, but how can we interact with that? How can we attach your solution to, to use them? Well, Functions is like a really great integration system. So along with critical events, Functions also provides integration with other services, including Azure resources that can be used without writing your own integration code by using something called bindings. Bindings can be used to integrate with a service that is an input or use an incoming entry or as an input trigger for a function or as an output binding to process that input and write to another resource like a database. Interesting. You wanna show us how those things works? Sure. Um, let's start with a quick um, demo here. So I like using VS Code for my um, local development because it has this really great Azure extension right here. Azure Functions extension, and it makes it really easy to just kind of click rather than use the terminal a ton and be typing a lot. You can just kind of click and start, and today we'll do a quick C-sharp Hello World sample app, and Excellent. I'll publish it to show you how that works. I like those Hello World demo. Yeah. Okay, and here I'm just selecting a local folder. I select, you can see all the languages we have to offer. I'm gonna do .NET 3 because I don't wanna do isolated. I'm gonna use an HTTP trigger. A trigger is a, a type of binding, as I mentioned earlier, that just kind of, that is used to trigger your function um, or basically cue your, tell your function when it needs to react to whatever. And so HTTP will be reacting to HTTP requests. I'm just gonna close my function for the namespace. Um, and then I'm going to give it anonymous access rights just because it doesn't require an API key for the purposes of this demo. And then fairly quickly, your, uh, your sample app is actually set up locally. Um, and there you go. Um, here you can see it creates several files. The main one would be your HTTP trigger function. And what I didn't, uh, what I meant to mention earlier was within. So the way Azure Functions work is it has a higher level of something called a function app, where you can have multiple functions within the app, and then um, 
those functions can kind of integrate with each other and build on top of each other for more complicated uh, scenarios if you want. Um, but here you can see it takes in an HTTP request as an input. You can do whatever you want with it, process it however you want. And then you can have some sort of output binding here or just a simple output like this just kind of says, hello, whatever. Um, and then you're ready to publish once you're done with the coding part. And you can do that in the Azure tab here. Once you publish, this will go, I'll create my subscription. And I'm gonna choose the simple version. I'll explain why the advanced, not the advanced version in a minute, but choose a simple one. We'll say maybe hello Wednesday for today's resource group. Um, click what stack it needs to run on. I'm in uh, the East US, so that would be the best region for uh, to use. For me, and this will take a while to go, so I'll explain some more things. Once it publishes, your function will be live, and you can you can basically have it going all the time, and it'll trigger only when um, that trigger is set off, so it's not being constantly used without um, you know costing you more when it doesn't need to be. Um, some of the other things um, that it creates right now, like right uh, right now, it, while it's publishing, it's creating a storage account, so and it's creating an application insights account. The application insight, a storage account, you can obviously store all your logs and then um, or, or store whatever information you want there, and then for your application insights, it's a great um, Azure service that you can integrate with to monitor your function. You can look at how functions are scaling up and down. You can constantly monitor progress. We have like a live view. Carrie will go over more of the troubleshooting part, um, but uh, partially we have it integrated within our portal. So you can use it without even exiting Azure Functions. But if you want really more complicated things, you can, uh, you can leave the Azure Functions window and go explore other Azure services that will make your function a, a lot more rich. Um, and then, so it looks like it's published. Let's go back to your screen. So now it's published and we can go straight to the portal by clicking F1 and open in portal, pick the right function and voila. And Excellent, wonderful. Here. We did it. Cool. Well, thank you. And now we'll go answer a question from the chat. Thank you. Thank you. That was cool. That was fast. We had a few questions in the chat, one that just popped up. So uh, people are asking, like, is it expensive? How much costs uh, each call of an Azure function? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know the exact um, amount, but we do have extensive documentation on, like, how you can leverage our different plans to understand cost. And even within Azure Functions, I think there's a, a tab or like an area that kind of explains where your costs are going. And um, we can include in the show notes uh, the exact like hosting plans and what, um, what are the different costs plans and things like that. Excellent. Well, I, I think also Carrie is, will be talking a little bit more about the plans later on, right? Yeah, I think so, yeah. So then, another yeah. question I had was about Sublime Text. Uh, people were asking, because in your demo, you were in Visual Studio Code, an excellent tool that I personally love. But is it possible to also use uh, like some command line or whatever in Sublime? Yeah, yeah. If you uh, if you get the Azure Functions core tools, um, then you should be able to use CLI with Sublime as well to be able to work with it. Excellent, excellent. Let me check what I have else. Uh, that was a great questions. Uh, maybe one. Uh, can you explain or like give us a few example of good scenario in like in thirty seconds? Good scenario uh, where Azure Function could be used. Yeah, so like, for example, if you wanted to maybe build a web API, you could implement an endpoint for your web applications using an HTTP trigger. Um, you could process file uploads by 
running code when a file is uploaded or changed in like blob storage. Um, in general, we have a lot of um, integration with our different Azure services and triggers, and we have something called durable functions. So many, so many different stuff. Yeah. But we'll need to stop, bring Anthony with us. Anthony, who's coming next with us now? Yeah, so joining us next is Carrie, uh, who's going to talk to us about some more Azure Functions tips and tricks. Hey, Carrie, how's it going? Hey, Anthony. It's going good. How about you? <laughs> Not bad. You want to introduce yeah. yourself to, yeah. to our friends here? Um, so yeah, I'm a PM on a Functions team as well. Uh, I work on performance and scalability, networking, and also triggers and findings. Cool. And yesterday, you met with Frank to chat about a bunch of tips and tricks for Azure Functions. So let's roll it. Azure, fun uh, Azure Functions are great, and we learn already a lot about that. But sometimes it could be hard to get started. So do you have any advice for us? Yeah, you're right, Frank, 100%. Uh, sometimes whenever using a new service, it can be daunting and even difficult to figure out the best path forward and you know how to get ramped up. Um, so today, we're going to talk a few, about a few things, such as plan selection, when to use bindings, and additional best practices today. Um, so the first decision that you're going to have to make with Azure Functions is what hosting model you want to go with and what plan. Um, so whenever people ask me about this, I always recommend using the consumption model first. Um, so consumption is our fully serverless plan. You only pay for what you use, and it's great at handling automatic scale at high load with unpredictable uh, loads and traffic. Um, so you're getting a lot of greatness that Functions has. And for most people, this is going to be perfect for your scenarios. Um, now, for some folks, uh, you're going to need some additional capabilities as well. And this is when the Functions Premium Plan comes in. Uh, so for example, uh, if low latency is really important, uh, you know, customers are going to a web page and you want that to load super fast, um, the Premium Plan is going to be really good for that. In Service Land, there's a thing called Cold Start. Um, this is really prevalent in consumption when going from zero to one instances. Um, in Premium Plan, we get rid of that because we give you instances that are always ready. Uh, in addition, uh, you might be looking for some um, additional features and capabilities, uh, such as, you know, VNet integration. Uh, you want to be completely isolated within a virtual network, or if you want to lock down your endpoints, uh, you're going to need to use premium plan over consumption in high load scenarios there. Um, in addition, uh, depending on the workloads you have, uh, premium plan might actually save you some money versus consumption. Um, the consumption plan is charged based on executions, while the premium plan is based on the number of instances that you have. So if you have a really large number of small executions, uh, the premium plan would also be the way to go. Um, now, just a couple more uh, plans. So the app service plan, um, if you really need predictive load and cost, um, then this would make sense uh, for you. In addition, if you already have existing web apps um, that are using uh, app service plans as well, you can sort of share some of that cost uh, with the function apps um, and use the same plans again. And finally, um, Kubernetes, um, sometimes you're going to be using functions and you might be using with additional clouds. So example, AWS or GCP, Kubernetes offers a lot of flexibility here in doing multi-cloud solutions. And in addition to that, um, it's really great for integration with on-prem. That's pretty cool. I love that. Like there's a plan for kind of a, every situation. So now I have my plan. What's, what's next? What should I focus on? Yeah, for sure. Um, so the next thing is where you want to do your development. So the portal is really great for trying things out and sort of kicking the tires, you know. But if you want to really dive deeper into functions, uh, you should set up your local development experience um, because it'll really help you out in the long run and offer you a lot more capabilities. Uh, so one really great tool for local development that I just pulled up here is VS Code. And if you're using VS Code, uh, you want to make sure that you have the Azure Functions VS Code extension. Um, and when you have a VS Code extension installed, uh, your environment will look a lot like this and provide additional capabilities. Uh, so for example, um, you know, if you want to add functions, add a binding, uh, do deployment, it's a lot easier. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And there's, is there any best practices? What, what would you, what will you suggest us about triggers and like, how can we make mm -hmm. sure we do it the right way? Yeah, for sure. So for triggers and bindings, um, they're really cool. They're really great for integrating with other services. Um, for triggers, you always want to use the Azure Functions triggers uh, versus the SDK, um, just because we do a lot for you in terms of scaling and the capabilities there. Um, however, for bindings, um, if you're doing read and write uh, workloads um, for your uh, 
integration services, um, it would make a lot of sense to use uh, input and output bindings just because they offer so much in terms of um, making it easier for your development experience. Uh, in addition, you can have multiple bindings uh, per trigger. So for example, here, um, I have an HTTP trigger set up, service bus output binding, storage queue output binding. Um, and you can see like how easy it is in terms of just using these out, uh, additional bindings. So for output bindings for storage, service bus and storage queues, um, it's just that piece of code and this piece of code right here, uh, as well as a little bit in the function.json. And this will allow me to basically send information once my function triggers uh, with the HTTP trigger um, to the service bus and storage queue. Um, yeah. Pretty cool. So like then like we do that and what would, can we add more kind of advice for the long term because you know sometimes like it's pretty easy to get started and then like yep for sure so, after we're all messed up <laughs> yeah <laughs> for sure one thing that you really want to keep in mind is you know um how functions and function apps and plans relate so you can see here that i have three different functions uh for, that are all different triggers um for this function app um and you know for example maybe let's say i have like a lot of HTTP traffic i'm getting a lot of um requests to my website, right? And I'm gonna need more instances to scale out and use that. Um, this service bus queue trigger, since it's also on the same function app, it'll also scale out to the same number of instances um, and be sharing those resources, right? Um, so that's just something to be mindful of. Oh, interesting, interesting. Okay, so like we saw the best practices and everything, but what if, you know, things don't go always as we expect? How can we monitor that? Yeah, for sure. Um, so we actually provide a lot of great tools uh, in Azure Functions. So for example, if you go to a portal right here, right, let's say you've been debugging your function app, you're, you know, going through reading the documentation, trying things out, nothing's working, you know, doesn't seem like there's great advice. Um, what you can do is you can actually go to this diagnose and solve blade for your function app in a portal. And if you click on these different areas, right, we'll actually offer you a lot of uh, insight into where you might be having issues. So for example, let's say function cold start is like a big issue for your function app. Um, you could come here, go to function cold start, and we'll pull up these things that we have detectors, which are things that we run against your app uh, to find you know common uh, issues that people usually run into. So here you can see that uh, my app, um, I can see, you know, I'm already on a premium plan, and that's great for cold start. Yeah, um, just, you know, uh, make sure you check the notes below. Um, we'll have the links for all of these uh, to learn more about, you know, plans, best practices, everything here. Perfect. Thank you. That was awesome, Carrie. Are you ready awesome. for some questions? Yep. Always ready. Right. For questions. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, we we got we got a few questions from the audience here. So, uh, first one: Do you have any best practices for testing of any kind, um, like unit testing or integration testing with Azure Functions? Yeah, so generally for testing with Azure Functions, uh, definitely would start off um, in the local development scenario. Uh, you have a lot of those tools for debugging. Um, and also you can uh, sort of mimic um, your workloads and environments. Uh, so for example, if you want to send messages through the service bus, you can use uh, some features in service bus uh, to send a message. Um, we can add some additional notes as well in the show notes. So. Awesome. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, and the question is actually specifically about uh, unit testing and, um, and yeah, like, and I would say that you would unit test Azure functions, just like you would any other app, right? Try to, you know, kind of like extract your business logic into kind of classes that don't even know about functions or ASP.NET or something else. Um, yeah. test those with unit tests and then use, use, use integration, use integration tests to test out your Azure functions. All right. So then another question that we have is, um, so when you create a, a, a an Azure Functions app, um, you typically like we we would create a storage account with it as well. So what is the storage account used for? Yeah, for sure. Um, so the storage account, the function relies on the storage account for operations like managing triggers and logging function executions. Um, and your storage account really needs to be able to support blobs, queues, and tables. Uh, a good thing is if you create the function app uh, and create a storage account alongside it, we'll automatically make sure that it's compatible. Um, and yeah, just some general best practices, just, you know, don't share storage accounts between function apps and also make sure that the storage account is in the same region as your app to decrease the latency. Great. Um, and then another question is, um, like, you know, Azure Functions supports a few languages, 
Um, but we don't currently support Rust. Um, do we have plans for Rust in the future? I don't believe we have any plans right now uh, for the near future. Um, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, our, our guidance right now is for you to, uh, we, we have a feature called custom handlers where you can actually write um, functions in pretty much any language you want. Um, the only thing that you need to be aware of is your, your, your the language that you're using um, needs to be able to speak HTTP and pretty much any language can do that. So um, yeah, use custom mm -hmm. handlers for that. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that looks pretty good for, 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 um, for, for questions here, Carrie. Um, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you, Anthony. Cool. And then, um, as I was saying earlier in uh, in, in the episode, uh, we are going to have an event later on this month on serverless. And yesterday, um, I met with myself and Anna and Beck to talk about that. Let's roll it. All right. So on September the 29th and 30th, we're putting together an Azure serverless conf. Uh, and Join, uh, joined with me today, I have Beck and Anna, who's going to talk a little bit more about it. Do you, do you want to introduce yourselves? Yeah. Hey, everyone. I'm Beck. I'm from the Logic Apps team, and Logic Apps kind of fits into this world of serverless. If you haven't seen Logic Apps before, it is a graphical UI editor where you can automate all of your different integrations from services, third-party APIs, and beyond. Awesome. And I'm Anna Hoffman. I'm from the Azure SQL product group. Uh, and today I'm representing our database services that have serverless capabilities. So that would be Azure SQL database and Cosmos DB, both really great scalable serverless solutions in Azure for managed databases. Uh, and if we want to talk about our event all up, we're kind of combining the best of all these services. So Azure Functions, Azure Logic Apps, uh, Azure SQL Database and Cosmos DB. I think that's all the, the ones we're including in this event today uh, or on September 29th and 30th, but we're really excited. Uh, one of the greatest things about this event is that it's really a community-driven led event. So most of our speakers are from the community and they will be speaking in their own uh, time zones. So that's kind of cool. So you'll be able to join in your time zone. Um, but it's a great event. We really hope you'll register and join us. Beck, do you think you could tell folks a little bit more about how to register? Yep, absolutely. So if you head to aka.ms slash Azure Serverless Conf, C-O-N-F, and you scroll down to the registration part of the page, as you can see here, you can choose which region best suits where you are geographically. Uh, we have different sessions for the Americas, the Asia, and the European regions. So register based on where you are, but you can register for all. We will also have on-demand sessions as well that you can uh, uh, have a look at after the fact. Uh, so as soon as you dive into one of those, you put in your email, put in your different uh, details, and then you'll get a link to a calendar invite. And then all you have to do there is sit pretty and wait for the 30th to roll around, and you'll be able to uh, watch live as our Intel uh, MVPs in the community talk about um, all the goodness in the serverless area. Awesome. So that's Azure Serverless Conf on September 29th and 30th. Don't forget to check it out. Uh, back to you, Frank. And me, I guess. <laughs> I love it. I love it. The guy is introducing himself and then giving back the mic to himself. Like you're everywhere. <laughs> I'm everywhere. Yep, that's right. Yeah, so it's a pretty exciting conference. Uh, yeah, we have lots of folks from inside and outside of Microsoft participating. A bunch of live sessions um, in all the time zones, plus a bunch of on demands. So yeah, a lot of content to watch. Yeah. And we didn't mention it enough time, but like it, it was just displaying uh, in the bottom of the screen, but all the links, all the tutorial, all the, the answer will be in the show notes. So the, to access the show notes, that's the link to it. Uh, so feel free to go over there. Uh, that's a good show. Like I, I like the show today. Like it's, uh, it's really nice, but um, I feel like uh, now it's time for a new guest. So let's bring Park, my new Twitter friend. How are you, buddy? Good. How are you guys? <laughs> very nice. Very nice. So, um, what's your role in the uh, serverless Microsoft serverless world? Totally. So, I am a PM with Logic Apps, and I primarily work on the UI side of things as well as automation tasks uh, with Logic Apps. I love Logic Apps, and we met uh, last week, I think, to uh, record this little demo. So, let's run the video, and we'll do a Q and A just after. Sounds great. 
All right, so why build logic apps? Primarily want something want visual something that visual users can, that pick, users up can pick up on and start building in a matter of minutes. Uh, it simplifies uh, integration experience into comprehensible building blocks through actions and triggers. Uh, it's available on most of the popular, popular development platforms, including VS, Visual Studio Code, and Portal. And it almost ties in effortlessly with all the Azure. Uh, most importantly, like, you know, you have functions, a PIM, event grid, and service bus, which you can integrate as well through logic apps. And it is resilient and it could be trusted for mission critical workloads for any enterprise grade scale um, level as well. So as with any good integration solution, uh, we want to ensure that you can connect to anything, right? So we have REST SOAP endpoints, cloud services, and of course your own services. Uh, but we have about 400 plus out of the box connectors that you can just simply search and add to the to your workflow in the designer, which you'll soon see in the demo. Uh, and you know we want to make sure that if you have data in one place and you wish to act upon to do something elsewhere, uh, we have that and we can help you to do that. Um, and just want to also highlight that you can also build your own custom connectors, uh, which are not just available for out of the box, right? Uh, Logic Apps also has, like I'd say, three types of triggers. Uh, first being recurrence, which runs on a particular schedule, event-based, which is triggered on an event, uh, and HTTP request, which is for any rest of APIs. Um, so with that being said, let's look at Azure uh, Logic Apps as a part of broader integration services. So it ties in with functions. Uh, you can simply call a function with uh, an action, or you can even integrate it with, like, mission critical event grid and service bus, uh, you know, messaging and event systems. Uh, that being said, let's also look at the runtime options. So we have a couple of SKUs, the first being consumption. Uh, this primarily runs on Azure only is multi-tenant and you only pay for action. Standard, however, which is new runtime, runs pretty much on everything, uh, including Azure Arc, is single tenant and only built for whatever the container it is running in. Um, so. This, of course, carries a lot of like weight in terms of you can locally debug, locally develop, um, and control in over what it could run in, right? So you can also integrate uh, in pretty much anywhere, like on-prem or on Azure. Uh, so in addition, it's also gotten the nice looking designer, which you'll see, and works great for monitoring with application insights. So without further ado, let's, let's look into the demo uh, and let's go about looking at what we have here, uh, we have a logic app that I've already set up. This is primarily going to uh, hold workflows, uh, the connections and parameters, but workflows is what you want to build and start from. Uh, so you can go about adding a workflow. I'll add a stateful type, uh, given that we're in a hello world place, we'll create a hello world workflow. And in this workflow, what I will do is it will simply be a weather API, which will take in a particular HTTP request, a zip code, and uh, get the weather in that particular zip code and send you a response uh, based on if it's sunny or not, uh, adding a condition. So let's go about simply adding an HTTP trigger. A logic app is always triggered by one trigger. So you simply have this trigger here and you can generate sample uh, JSON payload by simply adding the particular piece of um, object that you want to be able to pass in. So let's say zip code, which is, and this generates JSON for you. So you don't even quite need to know how to write JSON. Um, and now let's go about getting the weather at that particular location. So we can simply search for the action uh, for get weather. And you can specify the particular location, which is the zip code that we're passing in. You can simply select it from the dynamic content. Once that is done, you want to specify also the units, which is metrics. And you also want to be able to add another action, which is a condition-based action, wherein you want to check if the temperature that is being returned from the previous action get current weather. Uh, you see you have a rich ecosystem of all these particular fields that you can use as well. Uh, and it's the same for a lot of connectors. So if the temperature is greater than, let's say, 15 degrees Celsius, uh, we want to be able to, let's say, give a response saying that it is sunny. And also let the user know of the temperature, the temperature units, for example and say uh, I think this is due to 
my uh, zooming in, but finally, uh, God, it is sunny. And once that is done, I want to, in the false branch, I want to specify that it is not sunny. Um, so you see, without writing quite like any piece of code, you are simply able to just call a bunch of APIs um, and integrate. Uh, and you can also have actions that will be for the particular uh, service on Azure. So be it service bus, getting messages, implementing patterns. Uh, you can do all of those things through Logic Apps. And this should say it is not sunny. Perfect. So let's save this. And let's go about triggering this workflow. Uh, it's an HTTP trigger, so we would have to pass in a payload. You can use Postman or Visual Studio Code, uh, any clients to basically call this app. But you can use the run with payload feature, which is in the overview blade. You can simply say, hey, I want to run the trigger, but run the trigger with payload. So I can pass in any particular piece of header or body. Here, I want to pass in the zip code, which I will be like, is it? And I can run it. So let's see what we get as a response. We get the weather and it says it is sunny. So in a matter of a few minutes, you just set up your own API and you can also see the run history. So let's see if you wanna like check the inputs and outputs. So you can see the input was the location, which is a zip code and it has a rich, you know, feels that you know that it can tell us about all the weather conditions but that's pretty much it thank you that was cool it was so fast huh? so many things to do are you ready for our questions because we have paul with a question in the chat asking what's the difference between stateless and stateful workflow in logic logic app Totally. So just like functions too, Logic Apps requires an external storage account as well. So the difference between the two is that when you, uh, let's say, create a stateful workflow, all the actual execution history, the run history, the inputs and outputs are basically registered and stored in the storage account. Uh, this provides you with greater resiliency. So you have, you know, in terms of, let's say, outages, uh, it may automatically uh, resubmit your run and uh, allow you to not quite go back and manually resubmit, which will be the case for stateless workflows. Stateless workflows are great for, like, let's say, event processing and, um, lower uh, run runtime so you can have fast throughput uh, and this will not store the e execution history in the external storage account. So I've also pasted uh, the detailed link uh, between which will highlight the difference between the two. So feel free to check that out as well. But they will be in the show notes. Yes. Trying to trigger the production here, stressing them. Like every time I say show note, they should put that link. Good job, guys. Uh, so another question is, um, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Oh, yeah. So Azure Function, I know I can run them locally. Can I do the same thing to test and like de develop my Logic App and run it locally? Absolutely. You you totally can as well today. Uh, with the new Logic App standard SKU, which got released in build this May, uh, you are able to test and debug locally as well. So you may simply be able to just have two requirements, the storage emulator and the Logic App standard extension on Visual Studio Code. And you'll be able to simply uh, develop just like you develop Azure Functions as well on uh, VS Code. Excellent. Uh, so one last question in like 40 seconds uh well you know, 40 seconds you have time you have time uh can workflows can be only triggered by triggered by one trigger or yes that's that's a good question uh so a, a lot of times we do get some uh you know icms that are like oh i have one trigger and i have multiple triggers but you can only have one trigger that can trigger the workflow however you can uh have multiple workflows within the logic app so you can call multiple logic apps uh as well within a logic app so you can enable that well thank you that was very uh insightful i really like that so um now uh let's join jason and jay to talk about azure fun bites i had a little Hi, Jay. Thanks for being here on Hello World again. It's great to see you. Hey, Jason. Glad to be back. I'm, I'm glad to see Hello World is back. I had fun last season. I'm glad to be back this season. Yeah. We're excited. We're excited to have to be back. Excited to have you. 
So why don't you tell us, uh, what is this uh, thing, Azure Fun Bytes, that you're doing? Well, you know, Azure Fun Bytes is over almost like a year and a half old, and it's a show that's a weekly opportunity every week to learn more about the different fundamentals, foundations, and the people that make up an amazing Azure experience. So I always get the ability to learn a lot more alongside my audience. And so you can check out the show every Thursday here on Learn TV. It starts at 11 a.m. Pacific or 2 p.m. in the East. And uh, it's about an hour. It's uh, a very fast hour. And there's uh, tons of archives on YouTube and places like that so you can watch the old episodes. Uh, so what, uh, what's coming up this week in terms of uh, who you got on and what you're talking about? Sure. So I, there was this really great blog post that I read recently, and it's all about secretless Azure functions. And so I know you're all talking about serverless and Azure functions, and, and the whole idea of secretless is super, super intriguing to me because for the longest time when I was releasing applications in, in deployment plans or something like that, you know, before we had things like Key Vault, uh, we had credentials go over the wire. Yeah. And so that put us in an uh, a situation where uh, people would have opportunities potentially uh, to grab our credentials, log into things and cause some trouble. And so with a secretless uh, Azure function application or, or secretless in general, uh, what you can do is reduce your risk profile by using something like a measure, uh, an Azure managed identity. Um, and so if you scroll down a little for me, you'll see that we're able to create our function, uh, eventually create a managed identity, uh, then associate that managed identity with our application and uh, use that to transmit any sort of uh, private information that we may want to. And to, like I said, have a little bit more uh, secure uh, experience that people will have when they're, they're accessing your website or, or application. Okay. Yeah, security is always a big topic. Obviously, you know, even in the serverless space, we need to make sure we're, we're locking down our credentials. And like you said, it used to feel like the Wild West just putting, uh, you know, anything that felt like a secret out there with our code. Yeah, connection and, uh, string right in the wild and then have, you know, it accidentally get exposed somehow. And we want to avoid that because, you know, security isn't just one person's job. It's everybody's job. Yeah, that's right. And Christos, he's a, he's a kind of an expert in this area. He knows what he's talking about when it comes yeah. to Yeah. Uh, so this week, my guest is Christos Matskas. He has been on the show before. He is a senior program manager here at Microsoft. He knows a ton about managed identities. And so I, I'm really, really looking forward to hearing from him. But let, let's hear from his own voice. Let's go to the videotape. Hey everyone, I'm Christos Matskas, and I'm back this week on Azure Funbytes. I'll be joining Jay to further discuss how to secure your applications by going secretless. Together, we'll learn how to improve our security posture by ensuring that none of our credentials are available to public. That's very important. Now, join us to ask your questions and take part in this session. You can find us on Learn TV on Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific or 2 p.m. Eastern, and I hope to see you all there. Well, you know, it's going to be a great session with Christos. I'm super, super excited to see him. It's always fun to be able to meet people from around the Azure uh, community, uh, internally, externally, and get them to help me understand a little bit more about Azure. And hopefully, so do you. Yeah. Yeah, I love this. Taking the idea of serverless to secretless uh, in Azure Functions. I mean, it's, it's just perfect. Jay, anything else you want to share with us before we say goodbye for the day? No, just remember, catch the show 11 a.m. On, e on the West, 2 p.m. in the East, right here on Learn TV every Thursday. All right. Thank you so much, Jay, and thank you, everybody. We'll see you next time. That was awesome. I didn't notice, like, he, he played his, uh, his jingle during the, the segment. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty catchy tune. It's a great show. Um, I highly recommend episode number 38. Hmm. Um, yeah, there was a very highly charismatic guest on that show. Um, very professional, I have to say that. Yeah, <laughs> Let I, me I really guess, more it. of you, right? <laughs> yeah, it might have been. 
And guess what the topic was in that uh, on, on that show? Uh, serverless, Azure Function. It was actually Azure Static Web Apps, which is what oh. we're going to talk about now. Yeah, so let's bring on Simona, who's the newest member of the Azure Static Web Apps team. Whoa, cannot believe that is true. Uh, hi, Anthony. Hi, Frank. Hi, hi, everyone that's on the line. Great to be here on the show. Awesome. And yeah, so we yesterday we talked about um, how Jamstack fits into the serverless space, as well as how to deploy Jamstack apps to Azure Static Web Apps. So let's roll the tape. So I heard about Jamstack, what it is. I'm sure it's not related to music, right? <laughs> well, funny you ask that, uh, Frank. I do agree that it's a wonderful name that would maybe sound like music, but actually at its core, the Jamstack, it gives a name to a set of widely used architectural patterns when building for the modern web. And it stands for JavaScript, APIs, and markup. And JavaScript, as some of you might know, is the runtime layer for the Jamstack. It really enables us to add dynamic behavior to our static content and to our presentation layer. Reusable APIs, with the Jamstack, we have a strict decoupling between the front-end and our back-end services. And this gives us more autonomy when it comes to deployment strategy and really our development practices. And it also allows us to easily integrate with third-party APIs and services like payment services, authentication, or even AIML models and applications. And finally, when it comes to markup, the Jamstack approach is really to pre-build all of our markup upfront and serve it directly to the browser from a CDN. This typically involves a build uh, tool and step where the content is uh, combined with our templates into HTML. Our source files are being transpiled and compiled or compiled to JavaScript. And uh, CSS runs through preprocessors or post-processors. And you might also wonder, Frank, what are the advantages of using this new thing, the Jamstack? Um, and there's plenty, but a few that are really worth mentioning are better performance because our assets are pre-built and then delivered and deployed to a CDN close to our users. They will automatically experience better performance when using our applications. We also get simplified developer experience. The typical workflow that a developer will um, experience is actually pushing their code to GitHub and then the Jamstack platform will build and deploy our application, push it to a CDN close to our users. And because we're shipping only static assets, we really don't have to worry about setting up and configuring our Nginx uh, server or figuring out caching strategies or how our database is scaled based on incoming requests and many other complicated and complex uh, features of modern web development. And as a bonus point, uh, it also has an amazing community that's really eager to build the tools that we need to build applications fast. And um, they're also great at sharing best practices and building content like this session today. And since we are uh, looking at serverless applications and we're talking about serverless, you might also be wondering what does it what does the Jamstack have to do with serverless? Well, it turns out that sometimes we might have to really write our own custom backend logic to either securely connect to these third-party APIs and services, or even connect to our database and process some of the data that we have stored there. And to do that without having to worry about managing servers and uh, while still building highly scalable and reliable applications, we can use serverless functions. And Anthony is here to show us a quick demo um, on how you can use Azure Static Web Apps to build Jamstack applications. Over to you, Anthony. Awesome. Thanks, Simona. So on my screen here, I have a React app. And it's a pretty basic React app that has uh, some code that calls an API. And this API is located at slash API slash weather, and it's going to get the response and display it on the screen. And also in the same repository, I have an API folder. And in here is my Azure Functions project. Um, within it, there is one um, HTTP function. 
And this function is pretty simple. It takes a location that is passed in from the React app. It goes and calls a weather API, and then it returns the data back to the React app. So I'm going to go ahead and press F5. And what's happening now is that um, Visual Studio Code will start the static web app CLI. And then the CLI allows me to run my entire app locally. And it will start uh, the React server. It'll start Azure Functions locally. And it'll also open a browser to my app. And it also uh, attaches debuggers to both the React app and the um, Azure Functions app. So you can see here that I've hit a breakpoint in my React app. So I can actually do you know, the normal stuff that I do when I'm debugging an app, such as inspecting you know, parameters and things like that. And then if I press continue, um, I actually end up hitting a breakpoint in my function app. And so I can actually debug both my function app as well as my React app together locally um, without deploying it to the cloud. And you can see that, um, the, uh, that the app is actually running locally and it's returning the weather. So I'm gonna go ahead and stop this and then switch over to show the GitHub repository that I have. So when I created my Azure Static Web App, um, what, what it did was that it actually created a GitHub workflow for me. And this workflow um, is used to deploy my app every time I push um, any changes to my repository. So you can see here that I have some actions that have run in the past from me kind of just making changes to my app. And also, um, if I wanted to um, uh, submit any pull requests, it will actually stand up temporary environments for me so that I can actually test and um, you know, test out my, 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 my deployment before I make uh, uh, deploy to production. And I'm just gonna show my app running on my custom domain and it should come up and there it is. Wonderful. Yay. That is very cold, Anthony. Yeah, thank you. It's a, that was super simple, right? Like, and you could debug and everything. That's pretty cool. Well, thank you both. And now we'll go in real time answering question from the chat. All right, and we're back. And yeah, and Anthony, we have a question from the chat asking whether you can use Jamstack only with JavaScript. And I know you have an answer to that. Yeah, so uh, you you don't have to use Jamstack with just the JavaScript. Just JavaScript. It's it's a, it's it's an architectural pattern of you know having some static um, you know assets that are served and then calling out to some APIs. So um, in Azure Static Web Apps, we actually support um, the .NET stack as well. So you can actually install. So you can actually run Blazor on the front end and C Sharp functions on the back end. Yeah, and you can also use Python functions if you wanted to uh, basically build serverless APIs as well as um, actually you can bring your own serverless functions. So you could be using any of the other languages like Java um, and others, even Rust. I know someone else on the chat asked about Rust and you can definitely build serverless uh, functions with custom handlers in Rust or Go. Uh, so you can you can bring all of those to your APIs. Cool. And I know Frank might have more questions. Let's bring him back on. Hey, hey. <laughs> hey. Uh, well, Carter was asking about DevOps static web app. Like, can we do it with Azure DevOps or it's only with GitHub? Did you just answer that and I missed it? Okay, sorry. I was okay. reading like I'm bad. Sorry. <laughs> I did it. I needed someone to do it, right? So I did it. We have not answered, uh, but the answer is yes. Okay. And oh, you didn't you answer. I thought so, like you already answered that. Yeah. So uh, so yeah, we, we are working on even more improvements to our DevOps uh, support, though. So uh, so currently, when we when you create an app, we automatically create that GitHub workflow for you. We want to do the same for Azure DevOps as well. Um, but you know, like the currently, like when when we automatically build and deploy your app, the same thing works in GitHub Actions and Azure DevOps. That's pretty cool. There's a, I think you, you, there's a series also on, um, on channel nine, right? How to get started or with like an Azure Static web app with like multiple video, like 16 or something like that, step-by-step. Step. Yeah. Let me guess. Is that in the show notes? No, but I will definitely put it after the show. <laughs> oh, production missed it. Show notes. <laughs> <laughs> the three of us were like, Hey, it's there. That was pretty cool. Well, 
Uh, do we have time for a last uh, question? Do we have any other question? Um, like, can we use SSL? Did you mention that? Like, do you talk, talk about security or SSL? Yes, Simona, you want to take that one? Uh, yes, we definitely. You can use SSL, and um, your um, Azure Static Web Apps will install uh, certificates for you. And um, we've got everything covered for you. HTTPS um, support as well. Yeah, it's Wonderful. all free and magical. <laughs> Wonderful. So now let's bring the others on the show. So a picture. Let's bring her back. We'll do a wrap up of the show. Is she there? She's there. She was having tech issue earlier. She's back. Cool. So that's perfect. Let's bring also Carrie and Park. Good. Time to wave. So I'm sure you answered a bunch of questions. Thank you for all for your time. And what I will ask you all is everything that you share in the chat, send it back to me. So I will put it in the show notes. So it's there for everybody. Show notes just there. Good catch, Ryan. <laughs> Um, and, uh, and Tony, you like where people can register to your event, serverless event. Yeah. So the links in the show note to the, to the conference, the, uh, so the conference again is on September 29th and 30th all around the world. Check it out. Yeah. Three different time zone. That's pretty cool. So what we should do now, should we do maybe do a quick tour? So a picture like, uh, what people can remember for like where did they where do we, they start with serverless? Yeah, again, there'll be a link in the show notes, but there's um, we have a ton of quick starts based on whatever language you want to choose and whatever local development tool you want to use for whether that's VS Code or CLI, and it gives you like five minute quick starts on how to get started the way I showed you, and then from there it'll take you to more complicated scenarios and adding more. Uh, bindings and services to your function app. Wonderful. Carrie, any yeah, call to sure. action? Yeah. So, um, you know, take a look at the hosting plans um, and keep in mind the best practices. Um, we actually have a lot more tips and tricks in the documentation. Uh, we'll have a link out in the show notes as well. Yeah. And, you know, you learn it here. Premium could be cheaper than a lower tier, depending on your scenario. Pretty cool advice. Good practice. Uh, after that, we had part, right? Part. Yep. Love you, Cap, and more. Yep. So I would recommend you folks to definitely start developing uh, locally as well as on portal. Uh, pick whatever works the best for you. I will leave both the uh, links in the meeting <laughs> notes for how you can get started with Logic Apps. But feel free to start with a schedule-based workflow or an approval-based workflow, which are the simple ones. Wonderful. And Simona, first, congrats for your new role. Bravo. Thank you. <laughs> Any call uh, for okay. action? Yeah, uh, definitely. I would recommend everyone that they check out uh, two of the Microsoft Learn modules to get started with Azure Static Web Apps. And uh, those are really great modules to go through because they cover some of the major frameworks like deploying your React application, your Angular application, or even your Next.js and Gatsby applications to uh, Azure Static Web Apps. And the awesome part about Microsoft Learn is that you actually don't need an Azure account, but you do have a sandbox embedded into Microsoft Learn. So you can try out the experience, deploy your application, have it online for a couple hours and check out the experience. And once you have done so, I'm going to add a second link or a second resource here that we would actually love for you to submit your feedback or um, any of the suggestions or issues that you're experiencing on GitHub um, for Azure Static Web Apps. And the link will be in the show notes. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you. I will see you all tomorrow for another episode of Hello World. The topic will be Cloud Summit, a third-party event coming up next week. That's pretty cool. But right now, coming next on Learn TV is the overview of the cloud adoption framework for Azure with Sarah and Pratiba. So see you there. Bye, everybody.